find a mentor, find someone who's, you know, who is where you want to be at and, and find a way to add value to them. You know, a lot of people that are busy and doing well, you know, they don't want to just teach you for fun or, or take time out of their day to give you tips. But if you can find a way to add value to that person, maybe they have some issues that they need solved or they need you to, you know, teach them a, something, especially with us young guys with, you know, social media, some, some of the technology side, you can kind of add value to those older mentors. And that's kind of what I did. So, you know, I wouldn't really change a whole lot. I don't think like the way things have been going for me, I'm pretty happy with them, but if I was to give advice to someone else in my shoes, definitely. Like I, I, like I said, I partnered up with Pat O'Rourke and he's taught me so much about the business. And I think I'm a lot further along in my career than I ever would have been if I hadn't, you know, partnered up with him and, and just kind of been a sponge to feed off of him. Like anytime I've ever been in a situation where it's just, it's new, you know, that I haven't been in before I pick up the phone call him and he's like, Oh yeah, here's five different ways you can do it. You know? And then I can kind of figure out from there how to advise the client. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me to help me separate myself from everybody else is just being able to bounce ideas off of somebody like that. I think it's uh, it's a huge benefit. The world is an ever evolving place. We live, we learn, we adjust. It is a continuous cycle with new ideologies being brought to the forefront in an effort to make for the best economical and political theories possible, for the good of us all. Time may debunk certain theories, time may open our eyes to those who are trying to exploit us. Time may be on our side, and on the contrary, time may not be on our side. At the pit of it all, the issue of humanity and the balance of power being so far strung out that those who are oppressed finally come to terms with laying it all on the line. How far are we willing to go? How much are we willing to endure? Is there cause for change? Or should we continue to trust our system? We have opinions, not answers. But maybe, just maybe, in the thick of it all, we will be able to find the means we are looking for to live in harmony with one another and to live in harmony with our planet and the vast amount of life that shares this home with us. Thanks for joining today. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Social Perspective Dispute. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of The Social Perspective Dispute. What a way to start off this episode with some words of advice from Coldwell Banker's number one realtor in Ontario to start the year of 2021, Greg Dodds. This episode, I had the honour of talking real estate with three realtors that are doing great things in their line of work. My guests were Brandon Town from EXP Realty in the Kitchener-Waterloo and surrounding region, Corey Hamilton from Royal LePage, in the Kincardine and surrounding region, and Greg Dodds from Coldwell Banker in the Exeter and surrounding region. The goal of this episode was to share some of their wisdom and touch on some different aspects of their work. We also talk about some of the difficulties and challenges that real estate and home ownership is facing currently with the state of the market. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. So without further delay, I bring you my guests for the day, Brandon Town, Corey Hamilton, and Greg Dodds. 
Okay, I'm here with Brandon Town, Corey Hamilton, and Greg Dodds. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me here this evening. Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having glad us. You went glad you went oldest to youngest in that introduction, Brad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, when I, yeah, exactly. I wrote it out. I don't plan, mind. So, <laughs> got to give everybody their due. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when I first started this little project, I call the Social Perspective Dispute. And I think the title might be a bit misleading. Dispute, we don't dispute a whole lot on here, but it's a good for talking about different topics and maybe having a few different perspectives. So, it really just stemmed from an idea of covering various political and social topics. Uh, real estate being one of them, I think. Uh, in Sarnia right now, I think we are considered one of, if not the most affordable place to live. I don't know if that was just Ontario. I thought I heard uh, just recently. It might have been in all of Canada. But right now, we are seeing such a surge in prices down here. Obviously, if you're in the real estate business, this should be very encouraging. Uh, as a homeowner, I must say that it's a bonus to know that from where we purchased in 2013 to where we are kind of right now in 2021 and the market value on our home is uh, definitely something that's, uh, I guess we would consider that we're sitting on an extraordinarily strong investment at this point. So uh, kind of to think of, well, where's the, where's the catch there? So I, I guess the social topic stems from a marketplace for potential homeowners that may never have the opportunity to buy a home or uh, whether maybe we're just pricing ourselves into a corner of sorts and are really limiting our ability to pay off our debts down the line. So who knows where mortgage rates and interest rates are all going to head down in a few years. Uh, so kind of with, with those things floating through my mind, reaching out to these three gentlemen uh, who I've tracked and watched kind of their growth through the, the real estate business and I believe are all doing great things in, in the area that they are working. Uh, having them come on and give an insider's perspective on the realty world, I thought would make for a great episode. So uh, just kind of before we get into the questions, I just thought, uh, Brandon, you got a charity golf tournament kind of on the horizon. Hopefully everything is a go for that June 4th. I don't know how that lines up with timetables that Ontario wants to, to have us going on. But uh, just for the sake of sharing the details, would you want to share the details of this event and why the Big Brothers and Sisters is an important uh, uh, cause for you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's supposed to be June 4th. So I think we're going to get that in. I, I, what was the, uh, the new date? June 2nd, maybe? I believe so. We're going to yeah. be opening back up. So it looks like that's going to come together. But I mean, I think just like any business, which uh, big brothers and big sisters of Listwell or any of, of any place, um, they've been really affected by COVID. Um, so they've struggled to raise money for this cause. And I think that a lot of kids growing up, they don't have a, a some of them don't have the, the best opportunities like probably some of us had growing up. And so we're just basically connecting kids with mentors and just giving them that positive outlook on life and giving them a little bit more opportunity to um, just have a better upbringing. So it's super important. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sponsoring that event, but also putting a team in as well too. And uh, so we'll go out there and, and slug away at them. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's June 4th. I think there's still a few openings for, uh, for teams to get in there. So yeah. sign up and get in. Perfect. 
great little plug and hopefully it it does fill up and uh if obviously the ability to contribute to big brothers and sisters doesn't lie just solely on the tournament so Correct. uh great cause and it's all throughout we have programs all throughout ontario and many different other like other programs involving youth and they're all very important so uh coming to the questions here on on your page brandon it just must have been recently that i saw it because uh it says people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it and i just thought what a great way to kick off the episode is to ask each of you two questions and maybe start with greg here uh, what inspired you to get into realty and what is the driving force behind your passion? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, one of the main reasons I actually got into real estate was Corey. Um, I hopped on a call with him. Uh, I was driving back from Pensacola when I was playing hockey down in the States and uh, I like to help uh, give back. He, he coaches the Ironman. I'm sure he'll get into this, but I would come and help his goalies whenever I had the chance. So I just was, you know, chatting with him, telling him I was coming back from Pensy and seeing if he wanted me to come out. And he just asked me, you know, what, what are you going to do when you're done hockey? Have you ever thought about real estate? And we just kind of started chatting about it, put the bug in my ear and he introduced me to, uh, to my broker now. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. I started taking the courses pretty much within a week or two of that phone call, did it all when I was playing pro in the States. And when I came back for the summer, I was licensed and ready to go. Perfect. And yeah, so that's hey. how I got into it. So thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Big, it's big, shout out, big shout out to Greg too, man. Number one in Ontario for Coldwell Banker for transactions. I mean, that's insane. Congrats, yeah. brother. That's that's thanks. amazing. I appreciate it. Really it. It's uh, it's yeah. been a wild ride for sure. So um, I just watch yeah. what I watch what he's doing. I watch what this guy's doing, and I'm like, holy smokes! Like, what the heck? How does he do it all? Like, does he have a girlfriend or a wife? I just don't know how he possibly makes it happen. But just yeah. quick, I know I know you asked Greg a question. But I'm interrupted for a second because no, this good. is a weird web. This is a weird web of uh, people you have on here. Because when I was thinking about getting into it, I actually reached out to Brandon about some questions. So yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that you have all three of us on here. Crazy. Uh, I would say like kind of where Crazy. everything bridged from was I reached out to Brandon uh, initially, and then I mean obviously I, I know both you, Corey, and Greg pretty pretty well as well and I kind of knew that there may be some kind of connection and I didn't obviously know it might be might be this deep where everybody's kind of overlapping quite like that but I figured it would be a really good threesome to come on here uh knowing you each individually I figured you'd be a great great group so Corey do you want to just touch on that question as well uh for me it was you know, I, I did the university thing. I, I did a degree that I enjoyed studying, I, kinesiology. So I, I, it wasn't anything that I hated my, my degree or anything like that. But it was anyone that has a kinesiology degree, it's kind of a, a laughing stock. Like, what do you do after you have that? Like, I, I, you have nothing, but you have a degree. So it's like what? So I did uh, work in a physio clinic for a few years. I enjoyed it, but I just felt like I was hitting my head on the ceiling already. And uh, for me, I felt like I had more to give. I also had a huge passion with hockey and I, I didn't want to be restricted with the nine to five. Yeah. I wanted to be able to go out and do my own thing. And, and, you know, I guess I, I'm not really, uh, I've realized I'm not really great at having a boss. So I think that was the one thing for sure for me that uh, led me to this path. Nice. And I love people. Yeah. Probably love talking to a good talker. Much, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
obviously it wouldn't be fair if I, if I took it from your page and didn't let you speak on that one too, Brandon. So uh, what inspired you to get into realty and what's the driving force behind your passion? Yeah, it, it, honestly, it's a great question. So it wasn't necessarily real estate for me. For me, it was sales. Um, I knew I wanted to do something that uh, there wasn't a lid on the opportunity, right? So, you know, the sky's the limit in sales. That's the truth. And with real estate, every day is so different. And I got really bored at some of the jobs I worked at. I actually worked up at, at Bruce Power for a year, you know, did, did the plant life. Um, and it just, that kind of stuff just wasn't for me. I mean, people make a great living, but I just wanted to be out there, be involved with people often. So sales for me, was really what it was. And, and real estate just seemed like the engine to do that with in the Avenue. So um, the driving force behind all of it is in the passion is definitely my family for sure. But also too, just, I honestly, I think everybody deserves to live an abundant life. And, and the fact that we're kind of all on here because of one another and stuff, it's super cool. And yeah. I think that, I think that, this lifestyle is, is a game changer and it can change lives. And so that's what I'm in here to do. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about the team and stuff later, but yeah, just, just, you know, doing this with other people is, is what I love to do. That's great. I, I mean, you all kind of came to it there and just really picked up it on it there truly with Brandon talking and just the ability to kind of be independent and to excel as much or as little as you kind of want to invest as much time as you want to. You think of all the different lines of work that there are, like Corey said, you could show up nine to five every day and, and not really have that investment into actually what you do, or you can take it upon yourself that this is exactly I'm going to put in and I'm going to get out exactly kind of what I want from it. So that's uh was really good to hear kind of where you all were coming from with that um pandemic obviously everyone has had to adapt the way uh they live the way they do business since march of 2020 what challenges have you encountered during the pandemic in the real estate world and how have you overcome or adjusted the way that you operate you want to start us off Corey? yeah uh, well um for me, there was a whole bunch of adjustments. Like when it, when the first, uh, when the, when I first really actually uh, understood what the pandemic was, it was after an Ironman practice uh, and, and we were looking at our phones and somebody had mentioned that Tom Hanks was sick and the basketball game was canceled. And there was a couple of things I'm like, what? like I'd never really paid attention to it. And it was like, Oh, interesting. And then we were in the middle of the, the championship series for our league tied one, one and heading into a big weekend game. And uh, it was a Wednesday. We were supposed to play on the Friday and it was like, Holy smokes. Like this whole season, I, you know, you're so engaged in, in preparing for that, you know, for where we're at. And then all of a sudden, like you find out Thursday, the game might get canceled. And you find out Friday, the whole series might get canceled. Like in a matter of 48 hours, it was like my life just got flipped upside down. Um, so for me, uh, hockey at that time of year is, is kind of like what takes over everything. And then, um, and then quickly it's like, oh, oh my God, what about work? What's going on with work? This is kind of the prime time we're building up to the spring market. This is where usually you kind of get yourself off uh, on a, on a pathway that you're going to have a good year. And my wife working in uh, the retirement, uh, she runs a retirement home in Godridge. You know, there's a whole lot of things that went through my mind and it was a lot of, I'll be honest, there was a lot of negativity with everything. It was like, just, you know, we had a young child whole bunch of things it was like what do we do um probably like everybody else out there so work was definitely something i was concerned about but it wasn't really the top priority for me 
Yeah. I hear you. Uh, Brandon, do you want to talk about that one next? Yeah, I think that once when it came, it, we, we all kind of had to pivot, right? And, and the things that we needed to do, we had, certainly had to be very careful because, you know, everybody, people's jobs were getting taken away there. Everything was getting shut down. So I think the biggest thing was the, the message to market, like your marketing message. I think you had to really adapt with that, right? To make sure that um, you're really careful with what you were saying and uh, in marketing to uh, your, your prospects and your clients and stuff like that. So I think that was the biggest thing. Uh, Greg, do you want to finish off on that question? Yeah, definitely. I mean, kind of to go back to what Corey said, like for me too, it was once we realized this was happening, I was in playoffs too at the radars and, and that was a big blow. And then it was, okay, they were shutting down the province and then, okay, who's essential, who's not. Um, I didn't know what was going to be going on with real estate agents. Obviously we were fortunate to be listed as essential. We were able to keep working. Then it went to what Brandon said there with the, the marketing message, you know, you wanted to still be there for your clients, let them know you're still working and taking the safety precautions, but you also don't want to be, you know, shoving stuff down their throat saying, you know, list your house, sell your house because we're in a pandemic. Like Brandon said, people have lost jobs or in tough places. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew some agents who were still going around putting, you know, door flyers on, knocking on doors, cold calling. And it's, you know, you kind of got to, it's like read the room, but, you know, read the market, read what's going on in the world. And that it's a fine line. We had to kind of all walk, I think, between letting people know we're still working and, and there for them and, and not, you know, trying to kind of exploit the situation for our benefit. Yeah. You know, and just listening to all three of you talk about that, uh, just to kind of throw a, a question in here to kind of elaborate on that. Do you think that with the way that this pandemic and everything shifted, do you feel like maybe being on the younger end of, of the spectrum on the job that you guys are doing and having kind of the initiative and foresight to using technology, maybe to your advantage that, that maybe was a, a not, not a good thing for things to happen this way, but something that you could almost kind of jump on and take advantage of. Does anybody want to comment on that or just shut me down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll hit on that. Like, I think that, I mean, we were super fortunate that we were still considered an essential business, right? So again, too, a lot of people weren't like, I mean, there's probably still people that aren't working. It's super sad, but I mean, you, you play the, the hand you were dealt. And so I think that a lot, the three of us, I think we're all pretty good with video. And, and I think that it really did, we were talking about it before we started this actual call, but it really did start separating, you know, the, the really skilled agents from, from the ones that, we're just kind of playing defense instead of offense. So um, it, there was an opportunity there. And so we were still allowed to sell real estate. So, um, you know, we've, I think we've all had a pretty wild 12 months. I know that it's been the yeah. craziest 12 months of my career. It sounds like it has for the other two as well too, but I'll let them chime in. Yeah. Yeah. I think to, to go on that with the video, like all three of us, obviously we do it. And I think that with the pandemic, that's like you said, made us stand out. And not only because it, you know, maybe looks better with the marketing, but if we're going to reach people in the city who don't want to, you know, come out to these smaller areas where we're seeing that drive, yeah. you know, they're coming out to reach them. You have to have good media. You have to have a good video, good pictures, whether you do a 3D Matterport tour, whatever your marketing package is, you have to be able to entice people to come out there. Like the days of going in and taking pictures on a phone or, you know, with a little camera or whatever people do you know, you can't really sell a house that well in today's market. I mean, 
it's a hot market that's going to sell, but you're not going to get the top dollar you would if you're pushing it out to the cities and, and presenting it good and enticing those people to want to come out. Yeah. Or do you want to touch on I, that one as well? Yeah, I'd, I would say kind of a, a blend of both Brandon and, and uh, Greg's points. Like, I think it was an opportunity that uh, nobody really you know was looking for, but if you were ready for it, um, there was a chance to take advantage of it. Um, and then for me personally, there was a lot of trial and error with different things. I, I think I was the last of the three of us to really get into the video. I'm still relatively uh, green with it, but I definitely am seeing the, uh, the, the advantages of it, especially where I am kind of probably as far off the suburbia um, out of anybody. And, you know, the more you can provide buyers, the, the, the more qualified they are by the time they come and call you and, and come and look at the property. Yeah. And that, and that was a good segue for the, you guys touching on that for the next question. The, the Sarnia market here has been on an astonishing trend in real estate. Uh, there are a few factors that I believe are playing into the rise, some expansion down here in Chemical Valley, but probably the biggest factor is the, the reasonable value that you get when you're moving away from the bigger cities, especially kind of the, the GTA is what immediately pops into my mind. Is this something you are noticing in the smaller towns and along the west coast of Ontario? Maybe I'll start with kind of geographical uh, Brandon, I'll start because you're in Kitchener-Waterloo area, so it's not necessarily as much of a uh, a change in that location. Yeah, so um, yeah, I worked out Kitchener-Waterloo and then Listowel and surrounding areas. So what basically what happened is it, it was just uh, the perfect storm for real estate, really, right? So you know we already have these crazy low interest rates. We already have low inventory. They can't build homes fast enough, and then you add in this pandemic where everybody's starting to flee from Toronto, the GTA into cities like Kitchener, Waterloo, and also they're shutting down building new homes. It's like, you're just constantly adding fuel to this fire and it's just electrifying this real estate market. Yeah. And that's bleeding out to Listable. That's bleeding out to um, Exeter, you know, King Carden. Like it just literally bleeds out like that. And so it, it's been crazy. I think some of the smaller markets, I know some of the smaller markets have seen the biggest percentage of appreciation um, in Ontario, right? So probably markets like you're in have probably seen the biggest increase. Yeah. Greg, do you want to go to that one next? Yeah. Like there's an old sands getting tossed around here, drive till you qualify. And it's yeah. people from <laughs> Toronto. Are you, like a lot of my sellers, when I have my listing appointments with them, they say, you know, is it Toronto buyers? Is it Toronto buyers? And in an indirect way it is those Toronto buyers are pushing out to the Guelph, the Kitchener, the Waterloo, the people who would have normally bought there, they're now getting pushed out to whether it's Stratford, St. Mary's, London, those buyers are then getting pushed out of there. And it's just the path of progress keeps getting bigger. So we're definitely seeing that hit, you know, coming to Exeter, those kind of smaller towns, but even going out towards, you know, the Sarnia market, I know Strathroy, there's, I had buyers looking there and it was, yeah. it was a dog fight trying to get them a house. And the average sale price in Strathroy was, was above London, yeah. which doesn't make any sense, but it's just still keeping <laughs> that way. And, you know, to touch on the starting affordability, like I was working with an investor looking for a single family home that would cash flow, and we couldn't find one for him. And then he ended up, we, we went to Sarnia and got him one there because the prices still hadn't kind of caught up to that crazy level where if you're putting a mortgage on investment property, it doesn't make much sense. So, you know, it's only a matter of time when you have a market like Sarnia that's lagging a bit that, you know, it's going to catch up eventually and people are going to yeah. realize that that's the next one to kind of appreciate. Yeah. Corey, do you want to finish this off there? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly appreciate that uh, Brandon and, and Greg's uh, experiences that they're going through. I know Greg and I can probably relate a little bit more, but not that we, me and Brandon don't relate at all. It's uh, like in my area, like you got Bruce Power, which is a huge driving factor at the best of times. Um, you know, every year it, it's, it has some impact on the local market around here. And mainly right now it has a, a big impact with the restart that's going on there in the rental market. So we have like this extra level of craziness that's already crazy that Brandon explained where we have not enough rental properties. We have cottage country, people uh, from Toronto that have, you know, priced out of Muskoka's, priced out of the Quartha's that they're now considering Lake Huron. So it's like, it literally is just like an absolute crazy dumpster fire going on with, with, with people coming, uh, people coming from all directions to our area. Um, and it's definitely taken some, you know, some, you know, step back and now, you know, take a good look at things and really try to give your sellers the best advice possible because it's there's real opportunities here and still it's still going on. I know in some areas it seems to be slowing down, but we're not seeing anything right now in those prime properties where it's a, it's an escape. It's a getaway um, and it's affordable um, if it pencils out to be something that can be affordable for renting or for living. Yeah, we we're seeing some some stuff still uh, right now. That's crazy. Yeah, I know when I kind of get browsing and see the prices they're going in Wingham, Ontario right now, I kind of, wow, <laughs> makes me uh, scratch my head a little bit. But obviously, you're kind of narrowing it down there exactly kind of why things are shifting and transitioning the way that they are. So uh, a trend, and we talked about it a bit beforehand, a trend that I've noticed is uh, the bidding war phenomenon. Uh, I mean, it wasn't unheard of, but generally every house on the market in Sarnia right now is going over asking, if not well over asking. Are we seeing a new phase in sales tactics or is this just a sign of how many buyers there are versus the sellers? Greg, do you want to start us off? Sure. I mean, I've been in the business about three years now. And any, I've always kind of worked in London and worked in some of the smaller areas around like I'm based at Exeter, but from day one, when I was in London, people were holding offers and it was just, there's such a demand, so many buyers in the city, you kind of had to do that. In the smaller areas, when we would tell a seller or a buyer, you know, you can't put an offer in until this date, they looked at us like we had two heads. You know, they'd never really heard of this before. And it was kind of slowly phased in and then it kind of all happened at once. And when we saw this huge demand going on, it's like you're almost doing your seller a disservice to not hold the offers. And, you know, originally I thought it was kind of too stressful for people. You got to go through it. Then it's all on this one day. But if you don't do it, you're going to have someone who comes in the first day and, you know, gives you an offer, gives you two hours to deal with it, puts you in a really tough spot just because they know there's so much competition. Now, that being said, there is a bit of a sales tactic where some agents will purposely price a property well under market value in hopes to have someone bid it up to market value and maybe even over. And that, I mean, I could, I could talk about that all day. Like there's a, there's a time and a place for, for doing a little bit of that, but I mean, at some point it's just playing games and back to being in a pandemic. Like if you have 30 showings, 40 showings on a property that's underpriced, there might only be 10 buyers that are qualified for what the actual market value is. So I think you got to walk a pretty fine line. Um, but I think, you know, there is a, a, a good strategy and a, good reason behind holding offers but i think it does get abused in some scenarios yeah Corey, do you want to go to that one yeah i know i mean the part of me hates the term bidding war but part of me just has accepted it because it is what it is 
Um, I personally look at kind of what our job is when you're representing, when somebody hires us to sell a house, our job is to get them the best dollar possible. Um, so I don't lose sight of that. I mean, obviously, um, you got to kind of keep, uh, keep an eye, you know, keep an understanding that there's where we are, what the, what the market is, but our job is to advise that seller on how to go about their, you know, their sale and to try to help them achieve the best sale. And there's, you know, price is one thing, closing date, there's different factors that are involved in it. And I think you have to, our job is, as realtors and as brokers is we have to factor all those details in and try to come up with the best game plan to help them achieve their, their end goal. Uh, for me, it has been a, a real mixed bag of, you know, holding offers, you know, probably more so than not, but like I just mentioned before we got on here about a one, uh, about a sale in Wingham that just sold today, we didn't hold offers. It was just, didn't seem like the right choice for that particular listing at that price point. And we ended up getting an overpriced uh, sale price either anyways, with no competition. So it, it, I don't know, it, it, to me, you have to have a grasp on the market. And I do believe not to try to sound overconfident, but I think that's one thing that us three guys have going for us is we do understand our markets that we work in. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I, if you stay up to date and kind of in, in the loop with everything, I think that that would obviously go a long way. Brandon, do you want to finish us off with that question? Yeah. Yeah. So that the, the list low and sell high has been a, that's been going on in my market for years as well too, significantly this year in 2021. Um, I am starting to see that phase out, which is good. We're starting to see a much more stable market here, which is awesome. Um, sellers aren't getting what they're wanting on that offer date. And then they're either canceling or relisting or just raising the price. So I think we're about 30 to 45 days away from people starting to list homes in our market at market value. Um, what I really like about that is, is it really starts bringing the skill level back to real estate a little bit more. Um, so I'm looking forward to just getting back to a, a normal market. It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the price of the price of land and property is increasing, but materials and construction is also on a significant rise during the pandemic. I wonder why, especially wood. Uh, is the market for new builds taking a hit because of this? Brandon, you kind of already touched touched on that uh, in the Toronto area. Uh, do you want to lead us off with with uh, that question? Yeah, it's wild right now. Um, I know lots of builders that like they can't even commit to prices. It's crazy. Um, I have a ton of clients that that are in the hopper for a new build and they just won't get prices from the builder because they think things are just changing so quickly. They don't know what to do. Um, and rightfully so. You wouldn't want to commit to something and then um, almost have new builds become unprofitable for you as a developer. So you have to be super careful what you're quoting out uh, and committing to. So that's what's going on right now. I know that a lot of inflation and, and prices have gone up in some cases like wood, like 4X in the last 12 months. It's insanity. And so it would be tough to build. Yeah, it really would be. So I don't know what's going to happen. I do. I honestly do believe that soon things are going to go somewhat back to normal. And I do believe that um, hopefully these types of issues will flatten it a little bit. Yeah. Corey, do you want to go to that one next? Yeah, as a you know, honestly, I I do my uh, my share of newer homes, but I, I typically am in more of a resale market. Um, but I do understand that in our market, where there uh, there's a, a couple of pending developments that have been slow moving because of the you know you know the lumber prices and all those different factors. 
uh, that it seems like there's almost like a, a double cohort of people looking at the same houses, which has caused that level of interest on those houses to be extremely high. Uh, so I think there's people that maybe that were considering building that have been priced out or just, you know, there's so much uncertainty that they're considering a resale, some of the nicer resale. And, and so our resale market, uh, I think, is as another level of craziness yet again because of that. Yeah. Greg, do you want to finish us off? Yeah, what I kind of found was when the resale market started going crazy, like especially this year when it, you know, just shot through the roof, I had a lot of clients say, well, you know, for the price of this home, I could go build one. So then I had a lot of clients kind of shift and they wanted to find lots. And now the prices of lots are just crazy if you can even find one. Yeah. And then, and then like Brandon said, we got builders who won't, won't commit to any price and they won't, they don't even want to build for another year or two. And it's just caused a lot of uncertainty and a lot of frustration. I think, you know, a lot of buyers who are going to go that route are now maybe they, they bought the lot they wanted to, and they don't want to build for two years until the lumber prices hopefully come back down. So yeah, it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but I know builders are really struggling on what to do right now for sure. Yeah. I, I, I look around Sarnia and it doesn't appear to have slowed down too much. I mean, there is, so much up the coastline that is being taken advantage of, I think, towards the Kamalaki area. Uh, just new builds going up like crazy. Once again, it's probably what you're seeing is the people coming from the, the bigger cities are realizing that these properties, what you can get down here versus what you can get in a Toronto is very attainable and quite the upgrade. So, um, the next question here is, is really just kind of straight to the point. Um, are there any concerns in the in a, a market decline or even there being some kind of potential crash if, if we were to see, if, I mean, prices continue to rise and, and everything like that? Corey, do you want to start us off? Yeah, and I, I honestly think you got to look at your micro market, kind of where you work and, you know, break it down in your in particular area. Like in our area here, um, you know, I, I, when I say my area, Kincardine, here on Kinloss, Sport Elgin, kind of maybe almost as far south as Godridge. Um, you know, we've had historically reasonable prices. You know, if you, if you look at what our prices were prior to this pandemic, I would argue that our, we have some of the best bang for the buck that there is. Now, we don't have movie theaters and malls and all those things that, uh, that cities have to offer. But I think we have what people now are seeking, which is bigger lots, green space, close to the lakes, uh, different things like that. Um, so I think in our area, we've seen a huge, like more, a bigger increase in sales than anywhere because our prices were so low to begin with. I think you're going to see our prices level off. Absolutely. Um, I don't see them going down necessarily. I just think there's, there's enough buyers that are now, like we're, I, I keep saying to people, I think we've become exposed on in the lake here in shoreline we're from these people from the gta uh, for instance that have considered muskokas and these other areas historically um and i think we're going to have enough of those people always interested that it's going to keep our market fairly steady but definitely calm down at some point here yeah i, I mean just to hop in kind of before i move to you greg there and you talk about people steadily going towards that type of lifestyle and i mean the baby boomers that's obviously a big a big population and as they near retirement, I would imagine 
quite a quite a good number of them are looking for a slower pace of life, which you're going to find on the west coast of Ontario. Uh, Greg, do you want to talk about that question there next? Yeah, I mean, no one here has a crystal ball. We don't really know what's going to happen with it, but we can make you know our educated and informed you know opinions about it. For me, you know. I agree. I think we're starting to head back towards a balanced market. And I think probably all three of us agents would love that. I'd much rather work in a balanced market than a, the way it is right now. Um, but I think I, there's just so many buyers, so much demand still. Interest rates are low with, you know, uh, immigration increasing at record levels. Like I, there's so many signs that are pointing towards it just staying strong. Yeah. I think we're still a long ways from balance and even further away from any sort of crash or big correction. Um, you know, like I said, I've only been in the business a handful of years now, but I, I'm partnered up with a gentleman, Pat O'Rourke, who's been in it for over 30 and always been a top producer, you know, it does very well. And I've had this conversation with him many times too. And he says, traditionally, you know, he's been through several recessions in his career. He says, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, the big, big markets that, see the huge increases they see the big drops but he said you know in our small town areas it's it's pretty even steady going the whole way now obviously we've seen huge demands lately so it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens when we do slow down a bit but i'm definitely not anticipating any big crash or anything coming yep brandon do you want to finish us off there yeah, for sure greg you stole my line the crystal ball line <laughs> it's my go-to um yeah I, I, we're certainly like i said i mentioned earlier we're starting to see a, a definitely a balance out 100 um crash no we just there's just too many factors that are indicating that's not going to happen what we are seeing this year right now specifically the average price point actually did drop from april in april from march um not a lot just a little bit so we've already seen that peak and we're really seeing very similar numbers Percentage-wise, as we saw in 2017, almost the exact same things happening. So prices just kind of steadied out all the way into the fall market. So still a very heavily weighted seller's market. I mean, our average days in market were nine days, right? Which is insane. I mean, I remember the really crazy markets I saw four or five years ago, and they were 22, which was also unheard of at the time. Um, but nine days is absolutely nuts. So um, certainly, yes, I think if rates go up over the next one, two, three years, um, that should definitely put a pause on these crazy appreciating years that we've seen, which is also good. I mean, 25%, 30% increases year over year, just not sustainable at all. Yeah. And it's just not good for, for anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's good for sellers, but I mean, people trying to get in the market and it's just, it's just not, it's not good. A stable market is solid. Yeah. And, and you talk about it's good for the sellers, but then yeah, you're going, you're likely going right back into it at a higher price point as well. So uh, I mean, it, you segue right into the next one here. And obviously, it'll really all vary on location. I'm thinking mainly because of where Sarnia was back when we bought at, at where we were, and we've easily probably tripled in in what we could get versus what we paid for our, uh, our home and property. So um, just thinking from a kind of a moral dilemma in the real estate business. Uh, and probably you've been with many buyers that are looking for their first home and, and they're really pinched up against it. I know for us, we really had to kind of manipulate our money to, to come up with, to, to, to look as good as it needed to look for us to, to get the everything in order for our home. So um, 
could the rising price and and Brandon, you talked about how it's actually more of a decline in and probably as an average across Ontario or wherever that number was, whether that was Canada or Ontario, um, being so high with everything, um, anybody looking to get into the market may not be able to get into it necessarily. Um, continuing that wave of the renting and I mean, when we when we bought, we paid less in our mortgage than we did for our rent. So obviously, it was a great move for us. And I think a lot of people are, are kind of spinning their tires in that. Um, would my question here, I guess, is, are we seeing a market right now where people are looking to buy in order to make a profit through rentals um, and kind of driving the price up? in that aspect and and really putting it making it even harder for those first time homeowners to to get into the market and if so is there something we should be concerned with for the younger generations i uh, will start off with greg on that yeah i mean a bit of a loaded question there like obviously it hearkens <laughs> out to, yeah. to all these first time buyers you know like i just had a call with one i finally got them a place you know last week probably the eighth or ninth offer we've wrote and you know you don't offer on every property you see like they've been at this for over a year they finally get one they're almost in tears like they're so happy and obviously we're thrilled for them but what a grind for them to go through to get a house and you know we're I'm, i don't know about the other boys here but i'm seeing a lot of uh first-time buyers getting help from parents whether it's co-signing gifted down payments stuff like that so it's definitely stressful for them and, and putting you know a lot of pressure on them to do that but in terms of you know, people getting into the rental market as investors. I mean, the economy needs real estate investors. I think this has been going on for years. Like, yeah, when the market's really good, like it is now, everyone wants to be a real estate investor. I think once it starts to even out again, you're going to see who the real players are and who the guys are who just decided to get into it because they heard, you know, their buddy was doing it or whatever. So that might impact it a bit. I think just the fact that more people are trying to get into it all of a sudden because the market's going and I don't know, but maybe it's because we're in real estate, but every, every time I see someone, they're asking me about real estate. It seems like that's what all everyone's talking about right now. And, you know, I think that's a reason more and more people are getting the rentals, but I think they definitely play a part in the economy. And, and I don't think kind of penalizing the investors is going to help at all. Yeah, that's fair. Brandon, do you want to uh, go to that one next? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I think when I bought my first home, I think I paid, 205,000 bucks or something for it. You know what I mean? And that, that was normal then. Um, I had first time buyers buy on two on Wednesday night, first time buyers, both great incomes. Right. But for 825, I mean, that's where it's at. It's insane. I can too. I mean, there's not a lot of first time buyers at that, but I just couldn't believe what their budget was. Um, definitely a little help from parents in there too. Um, what I, what I am seeing for sure is just because we've seen these crazy appreciation years. I mean, the last two years have been nuts. Home prices have literally doubled. That just kind of divides, you know, divides people even more, their wealth even more because now everybody's pulling home equity line of credit. Everybody's investing, buying, investing properties. Um, and again, too, it is separate. It, it, it is too bad because rent prices have skyrocketed. Um, I mean, I don't even understand how some people are affording these rents, right? And so how do you even save money if you can barely afford your rent um, for a house in the future? So I do think that the, the Canadian dream of, of home ownership is not going to be there for a lot of people. I mean, I'm about to have my first son in about three or four weeks. And I, I honestly think about 
how the heck is she going to buy a house in 25 years? It's yeah. nuts, right? Yeah. Those so. college funds are going to turn into mortgage funds. So yeah, <laughs> maybe that's yeah. a good call. <laughs> Corey, do you want to finish us off with that question? <clears throat> Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I mean, I, I bet you I can speak for all three of us that we've all got into this business kind of making our way, feeling primarily with first time buyers. And so there's a huge soft spot that I have in my personal business that uh, that has taken a real blow. Um, and I'm sure we're all experiencing it. Just not having the answers for people that are, you know, doing nothing wrong. They're working hard. They're getting, you know, they're doing everything that they can do if they still have their jobs and whatnot through this pandemic. And yet we can't give them, you know, what they're, what they're looking for, which is affordable housing. Um, you know, some of them have now had to just shift their mindset as to what they can afford. So, you know, before they could afford a, a nice home, a nice lot, now they have to find a fixer upper. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of um, kind of moments where it's like, damn, I, I kind of, I do personally feel for my clients that are, you know, like Greg mentioned, eight offers and, and Brandon, you know, first time buyers having to, you know, dive in at 850. Um, I have a, a kind of a recent story where I have a young guy who was uh, originally approved for in the high 300,000s. And, you know, I don't know, I don't uh, often get into relationships with, you know, my clients relationships, but all of a sudden him and his girlfriend now were able to afford much, you know, a little bit more and they were able to get themselves into an actual house that they were happy with. So I'm, I'm thinking people are going to have to get more creative with what they're, doing to try to get their financing to be able to get into the market um yeah. and so obviously that uh, that could be interesting too uh locally here in the king Carden area obviously again back to the bruce power thing uh, i personally own a few rental properties i can i can say with uh, uh you know i look in the mirror every night and i don't feel guilty about my rental prices with where i'm at uh, my highest being 1400 um but you know and i can't blame people that are getting into it and they're asking the, the, the top dollar it's business at the end of the day but uh, I do, uh, I, I, you know, I struggle at times to see some of these rental properties posted online for 2200 2500 knowing damn right well they're not worth that, you know, in a, in a, in a normal time. Uh, but, you know, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. You know, I don't have the answers for it. I wish I had yeah. better answers, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. And a few things popped in my mind when you're talking there. And, I mean, if, if somebody's putting it out there for that much and somebody's willing to pay for it, then – that's what it's worth. Uh, and the other thing that really popped into my mind and it's kind of taken it from personal experience when we bought in was, you know, we were approved for, I think it was 225 or up to 225 or it could have been even slightly higher than that, but we kind of had our, our site set for quite a bit lower than that. We didn't want to be house broke. Um, we wanted to still have freedom with our finances and be able to, to, feel comfortable with everything so when we were looking we were quite a bit lower than that and even for the place that we were looking at we, we were significantly lower um so i mean everybody probably has this dream of having that one of those n nicer new homes in, in a desirable location but i think at the end of the day if if you want to if you want to be a homeowner you really kind of if you can't afford to, to do that off the hop, you're going to have to look for like the fixer upper or in an area that's maybe less desirable and just really get into the market because once you're into the market and, and you have that equity that you're building up, that goes a long way into bridging it into something 
much larger and I'm, I'm sure you guys have a lot more uh, valuable knowledge than I could pass along with that. But uh, kind of move into the next question and we got two more. So uh, we got as someone, like I said, I'm not well versed in the business. Um, what are some of the factors? And this is a few part question here. What are some of the factors that go into the pricing? Are there certain things a homeowner can do to boost their value? And are there some tips or things you would point out to an individual or client who is looking to feel more comfortable and confident in real estate? Brandon, do you want to start us off? Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I'll touch on the end of that. Um, I think that to feel more confident, I think it's quite simple. Everything's online now. And I think um, you should, first of all, you should Google your realtor. And uh, I think that you should interview multiple agents, truthfully. Um, from there, you can see the difference between real estate agents because there are a huge difference. Um, or get a reliable referral source. Um, that goes hand in hand. Both these guys actually on this call have sent me referrals this year. Um, so I appreciate that. So go to that and that'll make you a lot more confident in buying or selling real estate. So um, I think those are two really good options as a, a home buyer or home seller. Um, what was the second part of that question? Oh yeah, updates and stuff. So I think, I mean, the two areas that you can certainly add value to your home um, would be kitchen and bathroom. I think those are your first go-to spots. You can update and put a really nice facelift on a kitchen for not that expensive and probably get a four or five return on investment. So that's typically where I go with, um, with some inexpensive recommendations is what I call them to my home sellers. Perfect. Corey, do you want to go to that question next? Questions? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I mean, not rocket science, although in our area, we seem to be kind of behind uh, a year or two behind the times with, with the, the more bigger centers. So uh, I'll be honest, uh, up until probably about a year or so ago, we didn't do a whole lot of staging in our market. It was, you know, you, you, you get the iPhone out, you snap a picture and uh, you get it on the market and you do a little bit of editing maybe. But uh, I would definitely say in the last uh, 12 months or so, there's been an, an like as the market's increased, we've seen uh, sellers definitely see more value in doing different things. Brandon mentioned kind of inexpensive things like painting, uh, things that you can do to really spruce up a, a place for fairly minimal dollars. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something I would always advise to people that have a budget to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, to spend a little bit of money and take a little bit extra time before ramming it on the market. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be the biggest thing for me is, you know, I've, I've noticed the, the value of staging and not necessarily calling a staging company, but just using what you already have, uh, you know, taking a bit of time, you know, getting your aunt in that has a bit of a, an eye for it and, and just using your, your resources that you have. Yeah. Greg, do you want to finish us off with that question? Yeah, it's kind of to touch on what Corey said with the, the staging thing. Like, I'm not big on you know, going out and spending three grand on a stager to come in and, you know, put some signs up or whatever. But I think there's definitely to declutter, depersonalize, you know, those are a couple of things you can do that really doesn't cost you any money, just a little bit of time. Same with a deep clean, whether you hire a professional to do it or whether you just spend some time doing it. Like I can't even think on how many times I've been in a house showing a property and it shows fairly nice, but it's a little cluttered and it's just dirty. Like they just haven't cleaned. It's like, and my client looks at me like, did they not know like the house is going on the market? And it's just those little things that you wouldn't think are going to be a big deal. Just puts a little bit of a doubt in the buyer's head. Like, yeah, 
okay, if, if they weren't looking after this for the showing, like what else haven't they maintained over the years? And it just, that little seed of doubt can kind of grow and turn them off of a property. So when you're, you know, working with a seller, trying to talk to them, you, you want to do everything you can for those little things that are inexpensive to, that can make a big difference in the end. Yeah. Aesthetics. I mean, a lot of people are just drawn to what you have and, and they look at your stuff like it would be their own. And if they can't imagine or vision themselves living in that space, I'm sure, like you said, it would go a long way to deter some people. Uh, finally, guys, and I, I guess I'll give you a preemptive thank you for, for everything here tonight. Uh, Corey, you'll kind of, kind of remember maybe this question here a bit when we did the hockey one. Uh, just something I like to leave off on. I think it's a good question. So, um, what advice would you give to your younger self or to someone looking to start up in the real estate business and just finish with you, Greg, you want to keep rolling with that question? Sure. I mean, for me probably would be, you know, find a mentor, find someone who's, you know, who is where you want to be at and, and find a way to add value to them. You know, a lot of people that are busy and doing well, you know, they don't want to just teach you for fun or, or take time out of their day to give you tips. But if you can find a way to add value to that person, maybe they have some issues that they need solved or they need you to, you know, teach them a, something, especially with us young guys with, you know, social media, some some of the technology side, you can kind of add value to those older mentors. And that's kind of what I did. So, you know, I wouldn't really change a whole lot. I don't think like the way things have been going for me, I'm pretty happy with them. But if I was to give advice to someone else in my shoes, definitely. Like I, I, like I said, I partnered up with Pat O'Rourke and he's taught me so much about the business. And I think I'm a lot further along in my career than I ever would have been if I hadn't, you know, partnered up with him and, and just kind of been a sponge to feed off of him. Like anytime I've ever been in a situation where it's just, it's new, you know, that I haven't been in before I pick up the phone call him and he's like, Oh yeah, here's five different ways you can do it. You know? And then I can kind of figure out from there how to advise the client. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me to help me separate myself from everybody else is just being able to bounce ideas off of somebody like that. I think it's uh, it's a huge benefit. Yeah. Corey, do you want to go to that question next? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm coming up on eight years, which is crazy, to, hard to believe. Uh, I still often feel like I'm still, you know, only a few years into my, into my business. Um, but for me, I think uh, a big part of it is understanding kind of your network in the area that you work in. Um, not to say that that is uh, a limiting factor. You have the ability to go out and increase that network and do things to grow. But uh, definitely you have to have a plan. You know, I, I, I see some agents that get their license and they just expect the business just to come. And you got to have a plan because those people sometimes that come in with the uh, unrealistic expectations, uh, they, you know, they're spending money on all these things, but they're not really understanding where am I going to get the business? And, and that can be a real problem. Um, I definitely agree with Greg, having some people that know what they're doing that have been through it, definitely to have some people that you uh, can lean on, um, you know, whether it's a mentor or just people that like for me, when I first got my license, I literally reached out to everybody in my, that I could think of and that I worked that I might be working with at some point and I wanted to introduce myself. I wanted to make sure uh, I didn't come across as somebody that wasn't willing to converse. Uh, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn from every experience that I go through to try to, you know, to try to make sure I'm uh, growing myself. Um, and then just don't get complacent. I mean, you can't think that, oh yeah, things are going good. I'm just going to hit cruise control here and just ride it. Um, because next thing you know, something new is coming out or something different's coming down the pipeline and you're going to get reared in a different direction and you got to be ready for it. 
And if you are ready for it because you've been willing to grow and expand your mind and expand your thinking, I think you're going to be okay. Yeah. And finally, we'll come to you, Brandon. What advice would you give to your younger self or someone looking to start up in the real estate business? Yeah. So I, I, one of my mentors, Jay Kinder always says, if you want to, if you want to do something, go find someone who's already done it. Right. So that's what you guys are hitting on. I mean, the mentorship thing's huge. When we got into real estate, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, like Greg, you're fast tracking through this thing and it's just incredible to see that. And that's what I love. That's why I started the team. I think that, um, you know, this is a perfect example. Um, Dave, my, my top agent on my team, he actually just started right at the end of December. So he's about five months in, he was just about to join just a, kind of a random guy at peak had different brokerage and he found me on, on Instagram, reached out, had a conversation, met in person and he, and he joined my team that night. And he, he literally sent me text last night. He's like, honestly, I know I wouldn't even be close to where I am already without your guidance. And it's just, he went and found somebody who's kind of done it. And, and he quit, he literally his last day, he quit his full-time salary job in five months and his last day was Friday. And so that like that kind of stuff's unreal, but we just didn't have that type of guidance. So just go and find somebody who, you know, is going to be invested in helping you for sure. Like you said, Greg as well too. And, uh, and, and, but like also interview multiple brokerages. Don't just go to the, to the first person that says, Hey, I sell real estate, right? Like do your, do your due diligence, just like you would hire a real estate agent and, and find out who's really going to sit down there and take you and, and show you the path to, you know, A to Z for sure. Perfect. Well, guys, great advice. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight and taking an, an hour of your time. It was a pleasure to, to talk to all three of you, catch up with you guys a little bit here. Brandon, it's been, wow, quite, a, quite a while. And congratulate, time, yeah, congratulations and good luck with the, the new guy on the way, joining yeah. the, the team boys here with me and Corey. Yeah. Exciting times, Towner. Yeah. All right, buddy. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. And Greg, nice seeing you since, uh, what, March 8th when we were, or I guess that's when we would have been seeing each other last. <laughs> yeah. One went away from the finals again. Yeah. Cold. So, and I Corey. Talk, yeah. talk about stacking up a three on three team again, you guys, you sandbaggers always stack <laughs> up. Oh, yeah. It, you You're have, the best goalie. Yeah. We got to get Aaron Armstrong on the team, too. That won't be <laughs> yeah. 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 Army was looking yeah army was talking about hey who do you want me to bring <laughs> i think i got it i got a good a good team here army <laughs> yeah no yeah luck no tournament that's uh wow a few years since i've been at that one so i'm looking forward to it again maybe greg will be on my team <laughs> you never know you never, never know. know but once again guys thanks uh for anybody that was listening through this whole thing, Cheers, boys. a lot of great wisdom that these guys passed along. They're all doing great, great work. So uh, thanks for listening and bye for now. Good job, Dr. Carlson.